0: Good morning and welcome to another episode of Iconic Freedom, The Formula. We are setting the standard for accountability and responsibility in this world. Let each care for self and all will be cared for.
1: Already, about the censorious instinct, we basically know all that we need to know. We've known it for a long time. It comes from an old story about uh, another great Englishman, sorry to sound so uh, particular about that this evening, uh, uh, Dr. Samuel Johnson. The great lexicographer, author of the first compiler, I should say, of the first great dictionary of the English language. When it was complete, Dr. Johnson was waited upon by various delegations of people to congratulate him, of the nobility, of the quality, of the Commons, of the Lords, and also by a delegation of respectable ladies of London who attended on him in his Fleet Street lodgings and congratulated him. Dr. Johnson, they said, we are delighted to find that you have not included any indecent or obscene words in your dictionary. Ladies, said Dr. Johnson, I congratulate you on being able to look them up. Anyone who can understand that joke, and I'm pleased to see that about 10% of you can, um, gets the point about censorship, especially prior restraint, as it's known in the United States, where it's banned by the First Amendment to the Constitution. It may not be determined in advance what words are apt or inapt. Uh, No one has the knowledge that would be required to make that call. And... More to the point, one has to suspect the motives of those who do so. In particular, the motives of those who are determined to be offended, of those who will go through a treasure house of English, like Dr. Johnson's first lexicon, in search of filthy words to satisfy themselves and some instinct about which I dare not speculate.
0: So one of the things that I really love about this piece of it especially is You can see, I mean, from what he was just saying, I mean, the obvious comes to mind, right? That people want to try to hide, right? They want to hide their intentions. They want to try to hide their motivations. And in the story that he was talking about, about the first lexicon and the first English dictionary and everything that these these women or whoever these people were, you know, they were trying to hide their own level of debauchery, right, because, you know, obviously they know what, you know, the the, the bad words are, and that it becomes a joke, but it really speaks to something about the human condition, the human individual, right, because this is one of the things that I found to be very fascinating for myself. When I started observing people's behavior, when I started observing people's choices, it pretty much said to me everything that I wanted to know about that individual. Now, do I always know the motivation? No, I don't need to know the motivation. Why? Because I know for a fact, yes, a fact, that all interest is self-interest, that nobody does anything that they don't want to do without the motivation of wanting to feel good and why do we know why what is it that we know about that we know that that is a true statement because when you drill it down if you were to keep drilling down for yourself any particular choice that you've made recently it will always come back to because i want to feel good i want to feel comfortable i want to feel satisfied those are all you know uh, synonyms for good wanting to feel good So if you're using the power of observation in your own life, you are listening to people, you're watching what they're doing, the choices that they're making, and it's telling you everything that you want to know about them. Why is this important? Because it helps you navigate your own life. It helps you to be in touch with your own internal authority about what works for you in this world in your own universe and what doesn't it's not a good bad right or wrong we've talked about that before it's more about this is what I feel works for me and that's what I'm gonna do I mean let, let's escalate this if you were going to get on an airplane and all of a sudden your own internal authority just it, it had a sense of self that, I cannot get on this plane, then you might follow that and, and say, yeah, I, I'm sorry, I, something's come up, I, I can't, you know, you just, you, I, I can't get on the plane, and you don't do it, and then the plane crashes, and, and then you look back, and you're like, oh my god, how did I know? Well, the body knows, the body knows, okay, so apply that to something real. So there was a famous story years ago about Elizabeth Taylor and when she was married to Mike Todd and, uh, he was a theater and film producer and they were married and he died in a plane accident. And, you know, she apparently, I guess as the story goes is that, you know, she was not able to go on the plane with him because she had a bout of pneumonia, uh, as the story goes. However, there are no conspiracies but there are no coincidences. Did the body know? (laughs) I don't know. Did the body create the pneumonia so that Elizabeth Taylor couldn't go on that flight? I don't know. But I will tell you from my own self, my own observation of my own world... I've had many instances where the body is just taken over and it does what it needs to do when it needs to do it And I allow that to happen. I pay attention to my own internal authority If I've approached some situation and I don't have a good sense of it I don't have a good feeling about it. I turn and walk away My friends know this about me. They've known it about me for decades and I think probably initially they thought, you know, the guy's a little cuckoo. Uh, But I think after all these years, and especially after having seen it in action, and then knowing it for themselves, I think they look back at it. And, you know, now they look at it and they're like, wow, that's kind of interesting. And kind of fascinating that when it does happen, it's like, oh, well, you knew. And it's just like, because I follow, I follow the body. So what does all of this have to do of course with this speech with Christopher Hitchens and basically what I'm I'm saying is is that people try to hide they want to hide from themselves they want to be in delusion for themselves They think that they're hiding from others, but they're not. They're not hiding from you. Why? Because you're in touch. You're in touch with your own internal authority. You're in touch with your observations. You're using your feelings and emotions as indicators to something, but not as a place to live. And when that happens, you're able to see the reality as it is. Not emotional, but as it is. Okay, on to the next clip.
1: Now, I am uh, absolutely convinced that the main source of hatred in the world is religion, and organized religion. Absolutely convinced of them. And I'm, I'm glad that you applaud, because it's a very great problem for those who oppose this motion, isn't it? How are they going to ban religion? How are they going to stop the expression of religious loathing, hatred, and bigotry. I speak as someone who's a fairly regular target of this, and not just in rhetorical form. I have been the target of many death threats. I know within a short distance of where I'm currently living in Washington, I can name two or three uh, people whose names you'd probably know who can't go anywhere now without a security detail because of the criticisms they've made of one monotheism in particular. This is in the capital city of the United States. So I know what I'm talking about, and I also have to to notice that the sort of people who ring me up and say they know where my children go to school, and they certainly know what my home number is and where I live, and what they're going to do to them and to my wife and to me, and who I have to take seriously because they have done it to people I know, uh, are just the people who are going to seek the protection of the hate speech law if I say what I think about their religion, which I'm now going to do.
0: So I think there's something kind of interesting right now about the fact that this speech was given in 2006 and with the recent developments that are going on in Israel and the Gaza Strip it is fascinating that he was speaking about a time before about you know how you know religion becomes a very divisive aspect of people's lives to the point where they will escalate it in their self righteousness to the killing of other people. Um, If if the stories are true that we are seeing, then the off the backs of humanity, you know, a person is attempting to stand on their self-righteousness that they believe whatever it is they believe about their God, their religion, their truth. So from from my perspective, I'm not talking with regard to accountability, responsibility, developing your own standard. I'm not talking about not having your own beliefs about whatever it is that you want to believe. I said last week that if... I am demanded to have a religion then the constitution would be my religion because it speaks to the individual liberty it speaks to the individual the greatest minority there ever was is the individual no man can know for another man right what his thought process is and he talks about it earlier in the speech where he says that you know we we can't know what a person's motivations are you know we don't want to get into minority report where suddenly we're arresting people for thought crimes they thought it and so all of a sudden you're able to read minds and so we start arresting people and killing them but when we're talking about a person's religion. And their decision to go down that particular journey for themselves, that's all well and good. That's totally fine. Me personally, I don't want to look outside myself for authority. I want to look internally for authority. Yes, I can listen to experts. I can listen to science. I can decipher that information all on my own. I can look at the data myself. I can review it for myself. I can speak to other people with whom I trust and know are experts in certain fields and discuss it with them. However, I am still accountable. I still have to take ownership of my choices. And those choices that I make in the name of whatever that is, in the name of that religion. Now, years ago, I had a conversation with a Jewish friend of mine who said to me, are you trying to tell me that all of this could end if people just adopted this understanding and integrated accountability and responsibility? And I said, yes. <laughs> and, and here's why. If the individual is living their accountability and their responsibility, right? They're, they're accountable for their choices they make. And they are responsible for those choices. A non-diseased mind and body will not make those choices. Because you just wouldn't do it you've come to understand the importance of your own liberty and freedom, the choice in your life, the power of that choice, and that you're living in a world of do no harm to others. You don't want to do harm to yourself, and you certainly don't want to do it to others. So in the micro, if the individual... Say there's, you know, all of a sudden there's some soldiers, some Palestinian soldier or some Israeli soldier that has a red pill moment and they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I know this is wrong, or, you know, they, I don't know, I don't know what that, what that kind of epiphany is like, but if they have that, and they stop it, now think about if that ripples out, think about that thought process that crosses the threshold of consciousness for humanity, where everyone is letting each care for self, and all are cared Four, Okay, we are going to pick this up next week um, I've got a short little clip that I'm going to play And then uh, we're going to pick this up And we're going to wrap this up next week With Christopher Hitchens And then I'm going to start in on my podcast stuff With uh, Milton Friedman as well And uh, see what other topics are relevant to our discussion On accountability and responsibility
1: Because I don't have any um, I don't have any what you might call ethnic bias I have no grudge of that sort, along with pretty much anyone of any, as it were, origin or sexual orientation or language group, except people from Yorkshire, of course, um, who are completely untakeable. Um, and I'm beginning to resent the confusion that's being imposed on us now, and there was some of it this evening, between uh, religious belief, blasphemy, ethnicity, profanity, and what one might call multicultural etiquette. It's quite common now for people to use the expression, for example, anti-Islamic racism, as if an attack on a religion was an attack on an ethnic group. The word Islamophobia, in fact, is beginning to acquire the opprobrium of the uh, that was once reserved for racial prejudice. This is a subtle and very nasty insinuation that needs to be met head on. Who said, "What if Forwell says he hates fags"? What if people act upon that? The Bible says you have to hate fags. If Fulwell says he's saying it because the Bible says so, he's right. Yes, it might make people go out and use virus. What are you going to do about that? You're up against a group of people who will say, you don't, you put your hands on our Bible or we'll call the hate speech police. Now, what are you going to do when you've dug that trap for yourself? Uh, somebody said that anti-Semitism and Kristallnacht in Germany was the result of 10 years of Jew-baiting. Ten years? You must be joking. It's the result of 2,000 years of Christianity based on one verse of one chapter of St. John's Gospel, which led to a pogrom after every Easter sermon every year for hundreds of years, because it claims that the Jews demanded the blood of Christ be on the heads of themselves and all their children to the remotest generation. That's the warrant and license for and incitement to anti-Jewish programs. What are you going to do about that? Where's your piddling subsection now? Does it say St. John's Gospel must be censored? Do I who've read Freud and know what the future of an illusion really is and know that religious belief is ineradicable as long as we remain a stupid, poorly evolved mammalian species? think that some Canadian law is going to solve this problem please
0: and we are at the end of another podcast thank you so much for joining me I hope you're enjoying this portion of the podcast and going through this exercise I think it can be kind of fascinating applying it to real world things that are going on right now hey share it with your friends and family you never know what they might get out of it if you're looking to subscribe there are links down below and if you would like to send me an email if you've got a situation you would like me to address, I would be more than happy to do so. Make it a great week.